Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. Become a Coast Insider to hear the rest of this fascinating conversation and check out recent shows where we talked about the creepy shadow entity known as the Hat Man, the troubling demise of the Great Barrier Reef, and the remarkable power of prayer. Head on over to coasttocoastam.com and sign up for the Coast Insider to start listening. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. For the first time in nearly three months, Russia flew nuclear-capable bombers near Japan, the latest sign of increasing tensions in the region there. It's the latest provocation from Russia coming as Secretary of State Rex Tillerson visits Moscow, the first visit by a cabinet member to Russia since President Trump assumed office. Dr. Jerome Corsi from Infowars.com with us. Jerry, I want your take on all of this, how this uh, is unfolding. To me, it's uh, pretty uncomfortable. Oh, it's very, extremely uncomfortable, George. I think it's uh, the tension with North Korea and the tension between the United States and Russia is pretty much at a high point right now and uh, unpredictable. Uh, if, if North Korea does actually go forward with a nuclear test and we have a task force with the Carl Vinson moving, aircraft carrier moving towards North Korea, it certainly spells a confrontation, a military confrontation, and another possibility of a, a missile attack or attack like we saw in Syria. And uh, that's just ramping up again the military tension, and it's unpredictable and uh, extremely dangerous at a level I don't think we've seen in terms of military tension for really since the Cold War. Hey, Jerry, you know, I spent nine years with the Navy, so I'm pretty familiar with some of our technology, uh, very familiar with our submarine technology. And there was a report today that North Korea might have uh, 40 types, uh, 40 subs, at least 40, maybe 50 subs that we cannot account for, and that some of them may have nukes aboard. Now, if that's the case, he could have those parked right off of the West Coast, maybe even the East Coast. Uh, it's a possibility. I think probably 40 is too many, and I'm not sure how really capable they all are of, of launching a nuclear weapon. But I think, George, the, the, the possibility is there. And also, consider even an EMP attack. In other words, maybe a, a missile fired from a, a submarine that explodes in a high altitude with a nuclear weapon, causing a, a electrical and other storm throughout the United States that would turn off computers, electricity, and all other kinds of electronic mechanisms. Uh, it's a possibility. Uh, it's, you know, we don't really know what the full capabilities of North Korea are. Uh, we know they're developing, and they're developing very fast. And that's, again, one of the difficult issues here is that, you know, who's going to control North Korea? I'm not sure China has really got the leash on North Korea. Right. And I think Donald Trump is really, you know, as president not prepared to let the situation just drift and is taking a much more confrontational uh, position towards it than did President Obama. And, and whether that's going to be good or not is going to depend on how it turns out, and it's, it's unpredictable and extremely dangerous. Well, and Jerry, is this administration thinking things through? And let me tell you why I bring this up. During the campaign, uh, you know, he said that uh, we're through with NATO, we're getting out of it, NATO's not any good anymore, we're, we're spending too much money, nobody else contributes. It was his decision to basically get out of NATO. Now that he's president, today, NATO's okay. It's a good thing. What concerns me 
And I think we always should have stayed with NATO, of course, and I think it's a good decision to do that. What concerns me is how can you say these things before the election and then later on backtrack? Well, it's actually a a traditional part of American politics. I think most uh, people running for president are going to take more extreme positions than actually they're going to be able to implement governing. I mean, there's going to be a certain number of policies that President Trump will do over the border, for instance, or reducing the bureaucracy. But then you, you, you face reality, how hard it's going to be to get Congress to actually repeal and replace Obamacare. Uh, the fact that, no, we really don't want to do away with NATO. Um, one thing that's happened, though, I think is clear that the idea that there was a bromance between uh, Trump and Putin is pretty well retired. I mean, the tension between the two countries was obvious today when Secretary of State um, was meeting with, with Russia, and it was very clear that both sides were sitting there in front of each other saying each other were lying. And, you know, that's that's really a very difficult position diplomatically to be at. The, the tensions are extremely high right now. And whether it's going to go into a, a regional war or World War III situation or whether this actually produces a stronger America, more confrontational, but yet we get change in North Korea, maybe change in Syria, it remains to be seen. But, George, it's a very... It's a dangerous policy to go the confrontation route, and that's what we're doing right now. It's very different than we did under President Obama. Yeah, it is. We didn't expect this. And, of course, you know, listening to Howard Beale from the Movie Network, just leave us alone. Let us have our toasters and our radial tires and our deli and leave us alone. And I think a lot of Americans just want to be left alone. They don't want this. I'm bringing in Howard Bloom for a second. Howard Bloom, of course, author of The Mohammed Code and a number of other books. Howard, uh, a few weeks ago, the big story, of course, was whether anybody with the Trump campaign colluded with the Russians. Now that's a story that has totally fallen off the headlines. So I'm asking you this. What's going on? Well, it's a story that shouldn't fall out of the headlines because right now the Russians are trying to manipulate elections in France and Germany, and they're using the same electronic means, and there are 10,000 moles or uh, trolls. But but here's what's happening. I mean, you summed it up very well. Jerry Corsi summed it up very well. The hints of war are getting scary. Russia's Communist Party newspaper Pravda reports that North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un has ordered 25% of the population of his capital city, Pyongyang, to evacuate the North Korean capital. That's 800,000 people evacuated. You might ask why. To make enough room for Pyongyang's remaining 2.4 million people in the city's immense fallout shelters. Now, remember, this is a report from a Russian newspaper, and a lot of what appears in the Russian press is fantasy, but several newspapers in Britain have repeated this Pyongyang evacuation report and have seemingly backed it with material from credible sources in South Korea. Meanwhile, as you just reported, according to Reuters, which is a far more respectable news source, Pyongyang's 200 foreign journalists have been assembled and have been told to prepare for a big, important event on Thursday, and that's today, Korean time. In North Korea, this Saturday is the Day of the Sun, North Korea's biggest holiday. It's the 105th anniversary of the birth of modern North Korea's founder, Kim Il-sung, which is Kim Il, uh, Kim Il-sung is Kim Jong-un's grandfather, and they have a history in North Korea of rolling out major weapons um, on this day. One suspicion is, as you said, that North Korea is about to make its sixth test 
of a nuclear weapon, but we really don't know what else Kim Jong-un might have up his highly unpredictable sleeve. And meanwhile, as you just reported, Russia has just flown nuclear-capable bear bombers down both the east and west coast of Japan's, Japan, and according to CNN, U.S. intelligence has intercepted communication between Syrian military and chemical experts that seemingly proves that Syria's dictator Bashar Assad was behind the chemical attacks in Iblib that killed roughly 18 civilians. What's more, on Wednesday, again, you and Jerry just discussed it, America's new Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, met with Vladimir Putin and with Putin's Foreign Minister, Sergei Lavrov, and the meeting did not go well. Putin and Lavrov did their very best to look far stronger than Tillerson and far stronger than the United States. Putin and Lavrov basically balled Tillerson out for America's Tomahawk missile, missile strike on the El Shirai airfield in Syria last Thursday night, and they warned that if America did it again, we would encounter beefed-up missile defenses and a Russian military retaliation. These hints of war are all a part of a showdown. We discussed this last Thursday between two global alliances. One alliance is NATO, with England, France, and Germany at its center, and a gaggle of others. And NATO supports Donald Trump's move last Thursday, hitting that Al-Sharad air base with 59 Tomahawk missiles and reportedly wiping out 20 Syrian military jets. The other alliance is Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, and Syria. If one of these alliances is sucked into a war against the rival alliance, the war will light up like a chain of firecrackers, except the explosions will be nuclear. And one more tiny word. You've heard of Game of Thrones. We are in the game of bullies. Yes, Trump, Putin, and Xi Jinping are out to settle who is the biggest bully in the playground. The trick is that a wrong move could lead to nuclear destruction. Is the tension worse than the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis? That's hard to say because I was a kid back then, and we were afraid that uh, World War III was about to break out, but there are more players involved this time. And with more players, there are more unpredictables. You got that right. Howard, thank you so much. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.